With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yes, good morning and welcome to Tradies News in a Nutshell. I'm your host, Charles Goodsir. Thank you very much for joining me on this Friday morning, the 10th of November, 2023. I'll be with you for the next hour, chatting all things sport. We're going to be chatting the Cricket World Cup. We're going to preview uh, today's NFL action as well. We'll have John Gallo on later uh, in the morning to chat all things football. We had some Champions League action over the past two days. Also preview some of the English Premier League as well. And then we're just going to finish off with uh, previewing a massive weekend of sport. Uh, there's A-League, there's MBL, there's more Cricket World Cup. Um, but of course, you can have your say at any time throughout the program, whether you're listening here in New South Wales on SEN 1170 in Queensland on SEN 693 AM or indeed the Gold Coast at 1620 AM. Or if you're listening anywhere on the SEN, uh, thank you very much for joining me this morning. If you want to have your say on the program at any time, uh, give us a call, one 1170 or uh, flick through a text at 0457-736-736. Speaking of the text line, we've already got a text from uh, one of my favourites, the Kingswood welder. He says, uh, good morning, Charles. Not so good, sir. Can you please play some Foo Fighters on today's Traders News in a ball bag? Well, Kingswood welder, I was very happy to receive that text even before the show started, and uh I explained to some of my colleagues here who were already in the office early this morning that, you know, I'm a big fan of the Foo Fighters. You know, I wouldn't mind playing a few seconds. And they remind me that's the song we play when there's no program, when there's no show on. So unfortunately, Kingswood World, we won't be playing Foo Fighters. I will be on air for the next hour or so. We're going to start with the Cricket World Cup. And uh, we do this uh, show for uh, Red Smoke Alarms. I think redsmokealarms.com.au. Uh, think 10-year warranty. think Australia owned. There's only one place to start and that is with the game last night. New Zealand knocking over Sri Lanka by five wickets. It was a pretty all-around performance uh, from the Black Caps. They they bowled first and they bowled Sri Lanka out for 171 uh, just inside 47 overs. Really was one man who did it for Sri Lanka. Kusil Pereira, the opener, who was 51 uh, off 28 deliveries. He was really playing a lone hand. Uh, no really scores as of note. Mahesh uh, Dikshana, the, the number nine batsman, he chimed in with 38 not out of 91 balls. So he was really restricted towards the end. They were really just sort of trying to bat out the overs. But yeah, bowled out for 171. Angelo Matthews, 16 off 27. Now, if you see, if you saw... Um, Angelo Matthews get timed out, and you watched this game last night. He was the quickest man I have ever seen going to the crease last night. Uh, uh, pretty funny that as well. The stars with the ball, Trent Boltz uh, taking three for 37 off his 10 overs. Uh, Lucky Ferguson also chiming in, two for 35. Mitchell Santner with uh, some unbelievable figures here. 10 overs, two maidens, two for 22, an economy rate of just 2.2. And then Rachin Ravindra also chiming in with uh, two for 21. 
As I mentioned, New Zealand did it pretty comfortably in the end inside 23 overs. Five wickets down, 172. Devon Conway, 45. Rachin Ravindra continued his good form, 42. Ken Williamson, 14. Jaron Mitchell, 43. Mark Chapman, uh, 7. And uh, Glenn Phillips, 17, not out. And Tom Latham, 2, not out, did it in the end. So the win, uh, it lifts New Zealand uh, back into... Uh, they remain in fourth spot. They break a four-game losing streak. Can you believe? They won their opening four games, lost the next four, didn't play badly in any of those games. Um, but then uh, yep, snapped a four-game losing streak. So they've got the five wins. That was their final pool game. So they end up with a five and four record, 10 points. They're in fourth position at the moment. Uh, Pakistan are hot on their heels. Uh, they're currently four and four. They have one game left uh, against England. Before we preview uh, that game and look at the standings and the finals calculations, let's listen to Kane Williamson last night. He spoke with uh, Simon Dool. Not quite got the qualification by their names just yet. They'll be hanging on this Pakistan game. But uh, Kane, performance that you needed and a welcome one. How happy were you? Yeah, um, a really good performance. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, early wickets and then um, clearly spin was uh, quite a challenge through those, those middle overs. And um, the guys were outstanding in that first half. And... The wicket slowed down a lot, and then, um, you know, certainly in the second half, the guys went out with real intent and, um, and did the job nicely. When you won the toss, you talked about weather. That didn't arrive. Did you expect the pitch to play like that? Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, really. Eh? I mean, we, we expected maybe the first one to be a little bit like that, and so we weren't quite sure. Um, we thought there was going to be weather. There was no weather. Um, you know, hard to really, really read it. Just have to try and play what's in front of you. And um, and I thought we did that well today. You know, Sri Lanka are a really dangerous side. They, they have scored a you know, number of runs throughout this competition. And as we know, this ground can be difficult to, de to defend. And, um, and when people get away on you, and, and we saw that from Pereira at the top, um, but we were able to pick up those wickets, and, um, and that went a long way to, to obviously getting uh, restricting to a, a reasonable total. What pleased you most about the bowling performance? Yeah, I think guys were quite relentless. They adjusted too, I think, through the middle overs, especially the seamers with the ball. Um, there, there wasn't much there for them, and, and they just kept it tight, kept trying to force the issue, and, and the spinners were outstanding. Um, it's always great getting our, our sort of fifth and sixth spinners into the game as well, which, um, you know, which is really important for us. And, um, yeah, just a good collective effort. You've made it difficult for Pakistan now. You haven't got the qualification just yet. What do you do for the next couple of days and uh, when you watch that game? Yeah, um, look, I mean, there's a few teams that, that could end up on similar points. So at the end of, end of the day, it's out of our control. And, um, you know, we, we sort of are hanging around as a group and we'll be, you know, sort of, I think we have a couple of trainings or, or something. Um, we'll be just sort of having a couple of days off. I don't really know what it looks like, to be honest, but we have to see how, how things unfold. And, um, you know, it'd be great to, to be in a semi. If it is India, how, how much would you look forward to that? Oh, I mean... You know, these, these things don't happen all that often, do they? These tournaments and then to get the opportunity at the back end of a tournament, um, you know, to be pretty close and, and hopefully if, if things go away, be involved in, in a semi. Um, cricket in India in general is pretty special, but to, to play the home team, you know, would be a, a great occasion and um, one that, you know, after a, a lot of cricket and the guys have played a lot of good cricket, whether we won or we lost, there's some good stuff there. Um, we'll be looking forward to, to the challenge if, if we're fortunate to, to have it. Well, you're giving yourselves every chance. Congratulations, Cheers. well played. Thank you. Yeah, Kane Williamson there talking after the match uh, with Simon Duell. He mentioned that made it very difficult for Pakistan. And to all my uh, Pakistan fans listening this morning, this is what Pakistan need to do to knock uh, New Zealand off fourth spot and qualify and play India in a semi-final, which wouldn't that be absolutely epic? This is what needs to happen. 
Pakistan, they have to bat first. They cannot bowl first and then get an easy total within a certain time frame. It, it's just not going to be doable. They have to bat first. They have to either score 300 and bowl England out for 13. Crazy things have happened, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. This one is, is a little bit more likely, I think. Uh, they need to score 400 and bowl England out for 112. Unlikely again, but it is doable. And the way England have uh, uh, gone this tournament, you wouldn't put it out of the realms of possibility. They also need to maybe score 450 and bowl England out for 162. Again, it can happen. And this is the, the crazy scenario. They need to score 500 and then bowling out for 211. So that's the situation for Pakistan at the moment. Uh, yeah. I. What do you think? Uh can that happen? I'm looking at that score 400 and bowling out for 112 scenario and think that's probably the most likely uh, of the of the outcomes that Pakistan can hope for. But I think what helps Pakistan is that they know they have to just go all out, basically. Uh, they, there's no fear that there's, there's no point in sort of just banking a win. They really need to uh, go for a win. So let's just have a quick look at the World Cup table uh, as it stands. Uh, we'll, we'll go from um, top up. So India, they've already qualified in top spot. They're uh, eight wins, no losses. Uh, no one can topple them. Uh, they will they will finish first. South Africa second and Australia third. They're locked in. Uh, that they can't change their their position really, uh, or rather they can, but but they're going to play each other in the semi final either way. It doesn't matter if Australia finish second or if if South Africa finish second. They'll play each other no matter what. New Zealand in fourth, as I uh, as we've spoken about, that they've basically locked themselves in at this point. I don't see Pakistan uh, pulling off a miracle of that magnitude. Uh, Pakistan in fifth with a uh, four and four record. Afghanistan, who have been uh, excellent in this tournament, absolutely excellent. They're on four and four as well. The net run rate, however, is in the red. Uh, it's negative. So unfortunately, uh, even with a, a win in their final game, and that is against South Africa, I, I, I don't think they'll. Uh, they won't progress. England, sadly, they're in seventh. Wish they were last. Uh, they're currently two and six. They can finish last, though, uh, if Pakistan beat them uh, into submission. Uh, and then we got Bangladesh uh, in eighth. They're two and six. Uh, we've got Sri Lanka. They're two and seven. They're done for the tournament. That was their final game. And the Netherlands uh, in last place uh, with a two and six record. So that's how it stands in the cricket. World Cup. The game tonight, South Africa and Afghanistan. South Africa can secure second spot on the ladder um, if they get a win, which I, I think is likely. But the way Afghanistan has gone this tournament, especially how they bowled to Australia uh, the other night, took a, a miracle innings from Glenn Maxwell to get us over the line. Who knows? They could pull off an upset. We'll stick with cricket, but we'll go to the domestic scene and we'll go to the Sheffield Shield. Did you catch this game? This was an unbelievable match of cricket. Uh, South Australia defeating Queensland by just the three runs. This was a, a final day thriller. Went pretty much right down to the, to the final few minutes. Uh, South, Af South Africa, sorry. South Australia, uh, five for 359 declared in their first innings. A sporting declaration to try and force that result. Uh, Henry Hunt, the opener, starring with 162. Uh, and then Nathan McSweeney chimed in with 112. Not out in that first innings. They then bowled Queensland out for 238 to give themselves a lead of 121. 
And then uh, Queensland bounced back in their bowling innings, bowling out uh, South Australia for 151, which then left them a, a chase of 272 to win. Uh, and then how about this? Bowling Queensland out for 269. And it was uh, pretty much, yeah, the final few minutes uh, in the end. Uh, this is how it played out. So Matt Renshaw went uh, one for seven. Bryce Street then went out two for 11. And then Joe Burns and Usman Khawaja, who have, have done it at test level, that they've done it at uh, for Queensland so, on so many occasions. They put on an, an excellent partnership uh, of about 168 until Joe Burns fell uh, three for 179. He, he fell on 91, so nine short of that ton. And then just wickets fell in a heap for Queensland. Four for 198, five for 219, six for 219, seven for 245, eight for 246, nine for 250. So th th they were coasting for a while, and then all of a sudden just a massive collapse. And Nathan McAndrew, Jordan Buckingham, uh, as well as Ben Menente and Nathan McSweeney were, were a big part of that. And then Usman Kawaja, he... He nearly wheeled Queensland over the line. He, he chunked up. He got 114. He only needed the four for victory. He, he almost did it in this over, but then Jordan Buckingham was steaming in and then cleaned Voldem right through the gate to secure a famous victory for South Australia. I highly recommend looking this one up uh, when you get a chance. It was an excellent, excellent uh, match of domestic cricket, and it's been a, a good start to the Sheffield Shield season especially New South Wales, uh, getting that win earlier in the week. Now, finishing up, uh, just on some cricket news, and uh, a bit sad, this one, with uh, Meg Lanning, the uh, Australian uh, women's career captain, legend, great of the game. I don't think there's any disputing that. Uh, announced that she was going to retire from international cricket. This was uh, her announcing that decision outside the MCG yesterday. Firstly, I just wanted to to say how lucky and privileged I've been to represent Australia and play the game that I love um, for so long. I grew up wanting to represent Australia and I had fun playing cricket, I loved it. And um, to be able to do it for 13 years um, has been an incredible opportunity for me and I'm very thankful for, for those opportunities. I'm sad that it's, it's finishing up, but um, I'm very much ready for something, something new. There's a few people who I'd like to to thank, um, firstly, mum and dad who are here and my family. Um, you go out there as a, a cricketer, I guess, and you just see the, the playing part, but um, they ride the emotions with you and they've always been there to support me no matter what, and I'm very thankful for that. I'd like to thank all my, the teammates that I've I played with for Australia. It's been a privilege to play with all of you and it's been an incredible journey and I've loved every moment of playing for Australia and um, I'll miss it, but it's, it's time to, to go and see what else is out there and um, experience that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how that pans out. Yeah, uh, an emotional Meg Lanning there outside the MCG and understandably as well. She's been such a, such a rock in this women's team and has really catapulted the Australian cricket, uh, Australian women's cricket team to new heights and absolute stardom and uh, just one of the most, if not the most dominant Australian team we've seen in, in, in quite some time. So after 13 years, 241 games, 182 of them as captain, if you can believe, uh, she steps away from the international game. And just going through the numbers, so six text matches, uh, 345 runs, an average of 31.36, high score of 93, 250s in there. Uh, one day, this is where the white ball game where she really shone, 
103 matches, 4,602 400, 4, runs, an average of 53.51. That's staggering. High score of 152 not out, 15 tons, 15 tons, if you can believe, in 2150s. In T20s, 132 matches, 4,405 runs, an average of 41.53 in T20s, no less. High score of 133 not out, 200s, 1550s. And then this is really where her, her greatness comes into the fray. World Cup wins in 2013 and 2022. That was for the one-day World Cup. And then uh, T20s, 2012, 2014, 2018, 2020, and 2023. And who, who can we forget that that 2020 World Cup win? Uh, it, it will go down in Australian folklore, really. Uh, and it was the last event right before COVID as well. It was the last time we had you know 90,000 at the MCG for, for that game where Lisa Healy went off. Uh, they they absolutely thrashed that Indian team, and who who uh, who can forget those scenes of the whole team dancing with with Katy Perry at the end with their medals around, uh, just wonderful scenes. And then the Belinda Clark Award for the best female cricketer in the country, 2014, 2015, and 2017. So farewell, Meg Lanning. You you're one of the greats. Congratulations on whatever you do in the next chapter of your life. We will certainly. Uh, We'll certainly miss you. We'll, we'll miss seeing you around and uh, just what a great job you've done for Australian cricket and just cricket in general. Uh, thank you very much. So uh, we're going to take our first break here on Tradies News in a nutshell. I'm your host, Charles Goodsir. Just remember, you can get in touch with us at any time. Give us a call at one 1170 or text through at 045-736-736. going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more. Yes, welcome back to Tradies News in a nutshell. Uh, I'm your host, Charles Goodsir. Well, I'll be with you for the next few days, in fact, so you won't be getting rid of me that easily, Kingswood Welder. Uh, as a reminder, you can call uh, any time during the show, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, or text through 0457 Just a reminder that we do this for AMR Safety, your Australian-owned workwear and PPE provider. AMR Safety, over 30 years of better brands and better service with the widest choice of PPE. And uh, we're going to preview uh, the NFL that's on today. But before we do that, have to remind you, Beaumont Tiles giving away a trip for two to American football's biggest game worth over $70,000. Uh, so the shopping store at Beaumont's before November 12. So you don't have long to go and you're in with a chance TNCs apply. Okay. Let's talk about the NFL. It's not going to be a traditional preview like you're normally used to uh, with me hosting because the game today, the Carolina Panthers, the 1-7 and seven Carolina Panthers travel to Chicago to take on the 2-7 and seven Chicago Bears. This game's going to be a stinker. Um, I'm just going to put that out there. Not two terrible teams. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so... Look, I'm going to watch it no matter what because I'm a massive NFL fan. Love my football, just love any sport really. So, you know, I'm definitely going to watch it, but it's it's not going to be a great game. And this has been the problem with the, the primetime games this season. So this is Thursday night football, the only game on at all. This is the primetime. Millions upon millions of people are going to be watching this sole game. And uh, it, it's, it's been a problem throughout the season for the NFL. So I... I looked away, I looked at the schedule, I looked at the games that have been, the games that are going to be coming up, and I've seen that there's been a real problem with the NFL scheduling this season. So it started off pretty well. Uh, it opened on the, that Thursday night 
with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Detroit Lions. And it was the Detroit Lions getting that upset win. It's an excellent win. Uh, they won by the, the one point in the end. But since then, it, it's really been downhill. I've really struggled to find any, any decent game. So this is what we had. The Pittsburgh Steelers uh, versus the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. That was the Sunday night game in week three. Uh, wasn't a great game at all. Then we had the Raiders and the Packers, Monday night football week five. Again, just not a great game. The Bills versus the Giants and Sunday night football in week six. It, it, judging by how these teams went last season, both making the playoffs, you would have thought this was a great game. Uh, leading into it, it finished 14-9 to uh, and just was not a fun game to watch at all. Then we had uh, the the, the uh, LA Chargers versus the Bears Sunday Night Football Week 8. And yeah, that was a stinker as well. And then just gone, the New York Jets, who have just struggled with Zach Wilson at quarterback. They just really can't do anything. They played the LA Chargers most recently on Monday Night Football in Week 9. So the, those were the primetime games that, that, that we've had that really just have not lived up to the billing that is uh, those primetime games. So then I had a look at the games that were coming up. We've got the Raiders versus the Jets, Sunday Night Football Week 10. That's going to be a stinker this week. I mean, who's going to want to watch that? Then you've got the Steelers and the Patriots, Thursday Night Football Week 14. I'm a Patriots fan, but they're awful to watch. I, I can't stand watching them at the moment. And then you've got the Las Vegas Raiders versus the LA Chargers, Thursday Night Football Week 15. Now... What the NFL normally do is that they flex games sort of later in the season if, if teams aren't going as well as they would have liked and teams that they wouldn't have predicted are, are doing really well, they'll, they'll flex them up. They will uh, sort of change the, the roster. And I think they should do this with a couple of these games. Like, no, one is, no one's going to be watching these games. And the broadcast, especially Amazon Prime, who, who pay for Thursday Night Football, they want to get the bang for their buck. They want to get a good product going. And if you're putting Steelers Patriots... And tonight, even Carolina versus Chicago, you're not going to get a good game. And I reckon the NRL should do something similar as well. We had the Tigers and the Titans on Thursday night football earlier this year. And no offense to both those teams, but I don't think anyone was really watching. The crowd wasn't that great either at the game. So what do you reckon? Do you reckon it's been a bit of a disappointment this season, the primetime games in the NFL? Should they flex a couple of these games coming up? Should the NRL look at doing something similar? Uh, give me a call, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, or text 0457367736. We're going to take a break here on Traders News in a nutshell. After the break, we're going to be chatting football with uh, John Gallo, and it's been an incredible week in football uh, with uh, Ange Postacoglu's Tottenham losing their first match. We had some Champions League fixtures as well, and we'll also preview the EPL. Stick around. Yes, welcome back to Tradies News in a Nutshell. We're about to talk all things football with our football correspondent, John Gallagher. But before we do that, uh, got a text here from uh, from Rob. He says, isn't it interesting that even in the NFL, there can be stinkers? Are all sports subjected to a bottom 20% being so much worse than the top? It's an, it's an interesting point. Uh, I don't think all sports are necessarily uh, resigned to that fact. I, I think that just this year, there are teams that are are really rebuilding their rosters uh, like Carolina um, that are sort of just struggling. But if you look at a team like maybe like the Houston uh, the Houston Texans who've had CJ Stroud and have looked at absolutely a million bucks uh, lately, it, it doesn't take all that much to, to rise from, from the bottom. So, uh, Rob, you raised an interesting point. Uh, thank you very much for sending your text through. 
Now, let's get to this man. Very happy to have him on the program. And John Gallo joins me now. John, how are you this morning? Good, mate. How are you? Oh, very, very well. Much better now that I'm talking to you. It's been a massive, massive week in football. I want to start, uh, before we get to the on-field stuff, more of the off-field stuff, and this chat about referees. Uh, we've had a bit of controversy in the past week and a little bit. We've had Mikel Arteta have a bit of spat about Newcastle United despite the fact that it was definitely a goal, and I'm not biased when I say that at all. Um, and then also, Absolutely, mate. Why yeah, would you be? Yeah, exactly. And then also we had Ange Postacoglu um, also in that loss to Chelsea. Yeah. Chat about the red cards. And he was a little bit more, I wouldn't say sympathetic, but more just it is what it is. We have to respect the, the referees. What, what have you made of the, uh, the referee controversy in the last few weeks? I think, yeah, it's taking away a whole lot of talk about the actual game itself, isn't it? And and you can't blame it. I think it's turning a little bit into the NRL issue that we face here in rugby league with the, with the video referee situations and how long things actually take to get to a decision. I don't think people have too much issues with VAR. When VAR first came out, it was about the goal line technology being introduced, which I thought was fair enough because there have been a lot of instances and big games and big moments where the board crossed the line and no one could actually see from where they were standing whether it was a goal or not. Uh, so the goal line technology that came out was absolutely fantastic. I think that's changed the game for the better. I don't think anyone would, would argue with that. And then as soon as you introduce VAR on certain decisions and they intervene midway through the game, they go back and look at something that happened, you know, five seconds ago or 20, 30 seconds ago down the field. It's it's okay as long as, you know, the decision is, is correct and it's consistent. I don't think anyone has an issue as long as it's quick correct and consistent, we can move on, bang, we can get to the outcome, was a ball in, was a ball out, was there a shove over there, wasn't there a shove, it's all fairly blatantly obvious stuff as well, I mean, you can kind of tell, if someone's pushing somebody, you can kind of tell the hands are up and someone's making that kind of gesture, it, it should be a fairly straightforward answers here, because they've got all the camera angles in the world, they can zoom in, they can zoom out, so I just think the consistency of the answers and how long everything is taking... And it's just making everyone just shake their heads. And I think it's getting to a point now where we just remove VAR, looking at all that other stuff, just let the referee get on with it and just let the goal line technology stay in the game. I think we're going to see a much more fast-flowing, entertaining style of football. And at the moment, with all the stock starting that's going on and how long it takes to get to decisions, I mean, the Newcastle United Arsenal game that you touched on, it took about five minutes to have an actual outcome, probably even more than that. Um, they're looking at so many different things and it's getting a little bit petty at the moment. I think we're looking at too many things. I think we just need to go back, peel it back, let the referee just carry on with the game. If there's something that he's not sure about, he can then call the VAR to intervene. Otherwise, the VAR stays out of it and the goal line technology just stands. I think that's the best way going forward. That way the VAR isn't asking the referee to look at something you know, that happened 10, 20, 30 seconds ago that no one's got an idea what happened. So I think that's the best way of moving forward for the game. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, that Chelsea-Tottenham uh, game was fantastic, but sort of what added to the, I guess, angst, especially in that first half, with the so many, there were so many VAR checks for possible red cards during play and, and that penalty as yeah. well was just a, a shocker as well. Uh, just speaking of Tottenham, uh, they suffered their first loss, but they've got a chance to bounce back against uh, Wolves this week. They do, mate, and both teams, both Spurs and Wolves, had a loss. Uh, last weekend, so both teams bouncing back from a loss. Both teams were uh, undefeated up until last weekend for some period of time. Spurs had obviously won all their games on the trot, whilst uh, Wolves had only won two and drawn two. 
But uh, I think with a loss last week, both teams are going to be up for this one. Wolves, that Wolves are always a little bit of a tricky task. But I think Spurs will bounce back. I think they'll be eager to prove some of the critics wrong that have come out during their, their loss against Chelsea, saying that their game management was really poor. Having two players sent off is, is a real you know, lapse in concentration. Um, so I think Spurs will be keen to prove some of those doubters wrong and bounce back to winning ways. I think they'll win 2-0 in the end away from home. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think they'll, they'll bounce back. Now, Manchester United have to lick their wounds after a, uh, a disappointing loss against uh, Copenhagen in the Champions League. They uh, host Luton Town. Yeah, well, the pressure couldn't be any more severe for Ten Hag and, uh, and Manchester United, the club, as you said, losing midweek to Copenhagen in the Champions League, and that means they're bottom of the Champions League group stage. Uh, very difficult to get out of that uh, with any kind of resolve or positivity, which is sad to see if you're a United fan. Obviously, they won on the weekend, last weekend against Fulham. I thought that was a decent performance away from home and a good three points. I think they'll continue that against Luton Town. Bottom place, Luton Town. They're struggling in that relegation zone at the moment without a win in five games. You've got to back Man United, surely, to get all three points. Yeah, uh, most definitely. And then Arsenal, uh, they host Burnley and uh, Arsenal looking for a win to sort of stay in touch uh, with Manchester City up the top. Yeah, with Arsenal's last one against Newcastle. Similar situation to Tottenham. I think they will come out and bounce back from this one. I think they faced a lot of criticisms during the week. Uh, Newcastle, credit to them, they, they stayed at them the whole way through, made a very physical game of it, and in the end walked away with three points. I think Arsenal will be keen to, uh, to return things around. I think they'll win this one comfortably against Burnley at home. Yeah, and uh, Liverpool, they've sort of been... Uh... Uh, sort of a sleeping giant uh, this season. I think that sort of slipped under the radar. They're currently sitting in third. Uh, they uh, host Brentford. Well, this is a more tricky game, I think, when you look at it. I mean, the fact that uh, you know Liverpool had a draw against Luton Town last week after so many missed opportunities, particularly from Darwin Nunes. I think their confidence has taken a little bit of a blow. Liverpool, uh, I know they're at home for this one, so people may think that they've got you know three points wrapped up here. But Brentford, you know, won three games on the trot leading into this one. They've turned their season around really, really well. They beat Chelsea a couple of weekends ago, 2-0. Um, so I think they're playing some really good football. They're finding their confidence at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up a draw because I just think Bedford are really red-hot form. Liverpool, with that shock draw last week, they'll be wanting to, to you know, turn things around quickly back to winning ways. But I think Bedford will be a difficult task for them. I think I'm leaning towards a draw. Yeah, and uh, my boys, Newcastle, another disappointing loss in the in the Champions League. We're now bottom uh, of that table, but we have the chance to sort of bounce back in the in the local competition in the APL. Uh, we travel to Bournemouth. Yes, mate. Yeah, you guys having that two 0 loss against Dortmund uh, midweek last yesterday or last night it was a really uh, troubling you know game for them performance wise. So you guys created some decent opportunities at times, but that will be a, a hard pill to swallow. But I think at the moment you guys will bounce back on this one in the weekend. I think Bournemouth struggling in Bournemouth. Only one win in five games. You guys remain undefeated with two draws and three wins in the last five. That win last on the last weekend against Arsenal was a terrific win from a morale and confidence point of view. It really shows you guys potentially match it with the top four. So I'm going to go with Newcastle. I think you guys will be too good away from home at Bournemouth. That's what I like to hear, John. And now there is an obvious uh, match of the round, but... For me, this is my match of the round. It's 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 two mid-table teams who are very evenly poised, and this could sort of be a, a season-defining game. West Ham and Nottingham Forest. How do you see this one? Yeah, West Ham and Nottingham Forest. This would be a big one in, in the scheme of things. As you said, 12th versus 13th. Not that much difference between two sides. I think two sides have done quite well at the start of the season. They've you know shocked a little, little few critics out there that didn't think they were going to start the season well, particularly Forest. 
um, you know, with three draws, one loss and, and a win in the last five games for us. You know, they've had a decent start to the campaign. Obviously, West Ham, they're coming to this one with three losses on the bounce. So their form has suddenly dipped away dramatically in the last three weeks, which is a sad sight to see. Difficult one to pick. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards Forrest on this one. I think Forrest's win on the weekend last weekend will lift them up into, into more confidence. Um, I think West Ham and I are really down now at the moment. They can't seem to string things together all that well. I think Forrest wins one in a tight one, one nil away from home. Nice. And uh, the I, I guess the more uh, conventional match of the round, we've got Chelsea and Man City. I just want to focus on Chelsea for a little bit. They did get a, a big win against Tottenham, I think, score by scoreline only. I think they were pretty uh, underwhelming when uh, Tottenham were reduced to nine men. Um, I don't think they played uh, Tottenham's sort of defensive line very well. I think they cashed in at the end. How do you see it? Do you think yeah. uh, Chelsea's woes have, uh, have put it behind them, or do you think there's still uh, some more trouble there? No, I think there's still a lot of trouble there going on. I think the fact they struggled against a nine-man Tottenham side, as you touched on, particularly that high line that Spurs played with in the back end, a very controversial high line that not many uh, English punditry and commentators had been used to. They were very critical of Ange doing that. But in the end, I think Chelsea struggled in handling that for some period of time before they got the second goal. And then slowly but surely the floodgates opened. But even when they grabbed a second goal on the weekend, Chelsea, they still uh, had opportunities, Tottenham, at least two or three occasions with Son and Bentaker to potentially equalise and get back into the game. And that was the worrying thing. If you're a Chelsea fan, you should be really killing off those sides quick and easy once they go down to nine men, particularly. Uh, and Chelsea struggled to do that. So if you think against a Man City side or an Arsenal or Liverpool, 11 v 11, they're going to really struggle, I think, against those type, those type of top teams. I think Man City will take them to the sword 2 or 3 nil. I think it's going to get quite ugly for Chelsea. I don't think it really covers over the issues there at Chelsea at the moment. That side is... He's really struggling with any cohesiveness on the football field. Nicholas Jackson can't hit a barn door from five metres away at the moment. His, his execution up front has been terrible. So I think Man City will take them to town with Harland and the likes of Jack Grealish. And, and obviously, you've obviously got um, a midfield there with, with a lot of capability that can hurt you from anywhere on the field. So I think Man City at the moment will be too good. Yeah, Nicholas Jackson with uh, arguably the most underwhelming hat-trick in uh, Premier League history. Um, it, it's been interesting for, for Man City. They they lost two on the trot, then they've bounced back with, with three wins. They currently lead uh, the league. Is is it just a fait accompli? Are, are they just going to win again? I think so, mate. Yeah, I think I was talking to Dan actually about this. I just said to Dan in a text message as soon as I said the Liverpool result come through, uh, and obviously, Arsenal went down to Newcastle. You know, both those challenges, dropping points on the weekend, last weekend, I think has given a lot of breathing space to Man City. Uh, I think Spurs, yes, Spurs, yeah, they're right on the heels. It's only about a couple of points behind Man City at the moment. But the problem is, Van der Ven's been out injured now with a pulled hamstring. for He'll be out for a number of months. James Madison with an ankle injury. That's when the injuries are starting to come in to, to affect Spurs at the moment. They don't have the squad depth to probably match it with, with the likes of Man City for long periods of this season. That's been the issue about Spurs all the way through. Hopefully they can get to, to you know the likes of January transfer window and spend a bit of money Spurs they'll need to if they've got any chance of keeping up with Man City. But I think Man City at the moment, they're going to really steamboat ahead pretty comfortably, I imagine. I think they're really just champions all around through that men- mindset, that mentality that Pep's got on this side is just phenomenal. I mean, a lot of people thought they might have been taking their foot off the gas but that hasn't been the case at all. They've just had this desire to win in every single game. And at the moment, they're, they're stream coasting along. And I just don't think they even got out of second gear at the moment. That's a scary thing. And also, Kevin De Bruyne, 
their midfield's been missing for some time due to injury. So when he comes back to action sometime soon, I think Man City will go from good to great pretty quick, and I think they'll become pretty much unstoppable. So I think by January, in all honesty, I think that title will be wrapped up to Man City. I think they will be too far ahead. Yeah, John, I think you're spot on. I think that's the scary thing. I don't think they've actually hit their full straps yet, and they're still just so, so good. John, I was already excited about uh, the football in the Premier League action this weekend, but you've even got me more pumped, if, if possible. So, John, thank you very much for your time, thank and you, uh, have a great weekend. Thanks, mate. Have a good weekend. I'll talk soon. Awesome. Thank you very much. John Gallo there, our uh, wonderful football correspondent. What do you reckon? Is Man City a fait accompli? Are they just going to win the league? Can Ange spur something out of Tottenham? Can my boys Newcastle do something miraculous? Who knows? Uh, just shoot me a text, 0457 736 736. Give me a call, 1300-01-1170 with your predictions. We're going to take uh, an, our final break, and then when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show and preview all the wonderful sport action uh, lined up for us this weekend. Please stick around here on Tradies News in a Nutshell. Welcome back to Tradies News in a Nutshell here on SEN 1170 or SEN uh, SENQ 693 AM or SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. Or if you're just listening on the SEN app, thank you very much for tuning in uh, this Friday morning. Uh, just a reminder, you can text through to the show 0457 736 736. And give me a call, 1300 01 1170. Now let's get through to uh, this text here. This is from the Radelaide Rooster. Morning, Charlie. It's great to have you back on air. Perfect description of the Panthers versus Bears game. Yes, there have been a few stinkers this season. Hard to polish a turd, but what exactly can the powers at B do? Uh, thank you very much for that text, Radelaide Rooster. Uh, and if you missed my chat a little bit earlier, uh, and if you want to catch up on it, it will definitely be on the podcast. But I was basically um, summarized by saying that the, the Carolina Panthers, who are 1-7, traveled to uh, Chicago to take on the Chicago Bears, who are 2-7, that's the Thursday night football game uh, for today. And it's a stinker. It's not going to be a good game. Uh, they're two pretty terrible teams. But, uh, you know, people are going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. The issue is is that broadcasters pay so much money for these games and they're not getting uh, a stellar product in the end. Um, so... Yeah, it's, it is hard to polish a turret. What can they do? They have flex games in the past, but there's also a thing that, you know, all teams deserve, you know, their, their Thursday night game or, or their prime time games uh, in the year. I think this is Carolina's only one for the season. The Chicago Bears have had a few. They're predicted to be a little bit better this season. They haven't really proven that. It's really hard to say uh, at all. But I'm going to go on this prediction. This is going to be the, my Makita Power Play for the best power play. Makita XGT experience, professional cordless power without limits. I think the Chicago Bears are going to get the win. I'm going to go Tyson Bajan, the quarterback. I think he's going to go for at least three touchdowns and 300-plus yards. Uh, quote me on that. Monday morning, I'll see if I was proven right. Now, let's look at the massive amount of sport uh, that's happening over the weekend. We'll start with the cricket. Uh, you've got South Africa versus Afghanistan tonight. South Africa can secure second spot on the table. They'll play Australia no matter what in the final, but they can ensure that they finish above them on the ladder, get a moral victory, as per uh, England would say. Uh, then Australia versus Bangladesh, uh, that's on Saturday. That's at 4 p.m. That's our final pool match. Uh, they'll be interesting to see if we rest a couple of players. See, interesting to see if Glenn Maxwell is going to play. I think he might need some time to recover from that sensational innings. If you haven't watched 
that whole innings yet. What are you doing after the show? On your way to work, just on the bus, on the train, wherever. Just whack it on if you haven't seen it yet. Then you've got England versus Pakistan at 7.30 p.m. England, uh, they're trying to avoid, uh, I guess, last place if they lose too badly. But also, they want to stay in contention for the Champions Trophy as well. And if they lose this game, they sort of fall out. Uh, Pakistan, well, we went through what they need to do. It's borderline impossible for them to make it. They need to score 400 runs and bolt England out for 112. But who knows? It could happen. Uh, so they're going to be trying to make the semifinals. And then on Sunday, India... Uh, they play at the Netherlands. That game is at 7.30 p.m. Moving to basketball, the NBL on Friday. That's today. The Perth Wildcats, they host the uh, New Zealand Breakers. On Saturday, the Cairns Taipans play the Illawarra Hawks. Then the Adelaide 36ers uh, host the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. Then Sunday, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix take on Melbourne United. The Melbourne Derby, that should be an absolute cracker, that match. And then to wrap things off on Sunday, here in Sydney, the Sydney Kings versus the Brisbane Bulls at the King Dome. That's Kudos Bank Arena. Uh, they'll finish off week seven. And if you haven't been down to the Kings game yet on a Sunday afternoon at Kudos Bank Arena, get to it. it, it it's a fantastic day out, perfect for families as well. And then just wrapping up uh, the A-League uh, on fr- uh, tonight, the Melbourne Victory host the Wellington Phoenix. Saturday, Western Sydney Wanderers, uh, they'll take on the Newcastle Jets. Uh, sorry, Western United, rather. They will take on the Newcastle Jets whilst Western Sydney Wanderers will host Perth Glory. And then a tricky one uh, right off the bat for new Sydney FC manager Ufuk Talay. He has to go to Cooper Stadium to take on Adelaide uh, United. That is never an easy fixture there. I would argue the most passionate fans in the entire country in terms of football. So that'll be an interesting one off the bat. Then Sunday, you've got Melbourne City uh, hosting uh, MacArthur FC. To round it all off, you've got the reigning champions, Central Coast Mariners, taking on the Brisbane Roar. So what are you going to be watching this weekend? I think I'll be watching a combination of the cricket, the NBL, a bit of NBA action on as well. Hopefully my Boston Celtics can bounce back from two losses on the trot. And then also a bit of the A-League. I'm, I'm keen to watch uh, Ufuk Talay, uh, his opening match uh, for Sydney FC. Thank you very much for uh, joining me. Um, very early this morning on Friday. Thank you very much for those who texted the Kingswood Welder, uh, number 220, Rob, and of course, the Radelaide Rooster. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your sporting weekend. Uh, We've got this one from Jason. Great show. You're doing a great job. Thank you very much for that text, uh, Jason. Well, have a wonderful weekend. Hopefully you enjoy the sporting action. Uh, Best of luck to your favorite team if they're playing and uh, have a wonderful weekend. I've been Charles Goodsir here for Traders News in a Nutshell.